0: Welcome to Inside Abode, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Dave Jones. I'm your host, and welcome to season six. This is exciting. We uh, I took a little bit, you know, a little bit of time in January to just kind of reflect and get the business up and running, do some things that we needed to do for the business to get ready for 2022. And now we're back, and we are going to drop weekly, and we're going to have. I already have some people lined up and some guests lined up uh, that I think are going to be really dope, and I think we have some really. Interesting things happening in our space and just in the world in general right now, um, but there is a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of things going on in our, in our world and in our markets as well. So we have a lot a lot to cover this year, and there's going to be tons of stuff. But inside a boat. So what is this podcast? So if you are just joining us now, I'm going to just re- like reintroduce myself. Basically, inside a boat, it's a podcast that gives you an unfiltered, honest inside look at the real estate industry, unlike any other podcast in the space. And I say that because. I feel like I have a certain perspective. I feel like we have a certain perspective as a group at uh, Wintermirror abode And we want to share that with everybody. So anyway, uh, we speak on a diverse set of topics ranging from our local and national real estate market, emerging trends, um, and all the things. So again, I have some great guests lined up for this season, and I'm looking, really looking forward to uh you know, to sharing the information and hopefully dropping some gems on y'all. Uh, So, the first things first though, let's look at the real estate data point, I try to bring data to every single show and the data that I'm going to bring to you is more local in terms of our region in Pierce County and and more specifically, the Tacoma area. Um, I want to talk about the months of inventory. So, and these are going to be numbers that are updated up until about the middle of the month. So, you know, the 12th of January, and I'm going to break it down by specifics in terms of months of inventory. So. In Geek Harbor, Maine, like the Geek Harbor, Maine, not going over the Purdy Bridge necessarily, but in Geek Harbor, Maine area, uh the months of inventory there is 0.2. So 0.2 months of inventory in Geek Harbor, Rosedale, Fox Island, Geek Harbor South, Artendale, Geek Harbor North. Um, and 0.2 is not a lot, uh, you know. <laughs> and my guest will tell you like what he thinks about that. And Give his his experience and then uh, in, I'm sorry, North Tacoma. So North Tacoma, we've heard a lot going on in North Tacoma right now up to uh, the 12th of January. The months of inventory was 0.1 and I'm sure, I'm sure it might still be there. It might be at 0.2, but based on what we've seen, but you know, that's, that's not much. So if you're a buyer or seller, or if you're a buyer out there and you're, or you're an agent, That's why you're feeling like what you're feeling is real. And um, in Central Tacoma, uh, 0.25 months of inventory and in University Place, 0.1 in South Tacoma and Southeast Tacoma, 0.2 months of inventory and in Parkland, 0.3 months of inventory. So across the board, you can see that we don't have much inventory in January of 2022 in Tacoma and the surrounding areas. But as we know, in the spring, more is on the way. So anyway, uh, I'm going to just go ahead and start with my guest today. I'm going to introduce my guest and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the market first. But my guest today is a broker. He's been a broker at Winnemere Abode for, I don't know, two years now Mm -hmm. Um, and is part of a team and joined us, uh, you know, and we were just really happy to have him. But with no further ado, our special guest today is Tim McEwen. Tim, how you doing, man? Hey,
1: I'm doing great, Dave. How are you doing? Thanks for
0: having me. Yeah, I'm doing all right, man. So uh, tell us about, like give us your elevator pitch on like how you got into the real estate industry.
1: All right. Well, um, so I met who is now my wife Heidi uh, back in 2014 and uh, Heidi Hurst had been in real estate for at that point, about 12 to 11 years. And um you know, after about a year, uh, we were still dating, and she took me to a mastermind uh, conference in San Diego, buffini event, uh, you know, a three-day event, mm-hmm. uh, 3,000 people and a lot, all realtors, primarily some lenders. And I just um, kind of caught the bug there. I just saw what I saw kind of what Heidi had and then what these other people, just the way they were going about their business and how enthusiastic they were about their career. Uh, uh-huh. and I was really looking for, I had been working at this point in it industry for about 18 years. I ended up working for another two years in it after that, before I left, but I was just kind of done with it. It was not, uh, serving me. It wasn't lighting me up. It wasn't bringing me a lot of joy. Yeah. I knew I wanted to change, but I didn't know what to do. Uh, what the, I didn't know what that was going to look like. And real estate just seemed like a career that I could transition uh and it would be rewarding you know as far as um interactions with people and just a new a new way of working and just being invigorated while you work and loving what you do i kind of want i saw that that's what it could be and that's the way heidi approached it um that's what she how she felt about it the passion so i kind of made that decision there and then i started when i got back from that event i um enrolled in the rockwell course to to get my license um Mm -hmm and then it took some months to do that because I I went at it slow working a full-time job still and then um got you know passed it took the test uh the first time passed it It was a really hard test yeah and um you know it took it then a cu- another couple of years before I delved into it full time in in 2018.
0: Okay. So, so were you years. helping along the way a little bit or you just I
1: was yeah yeah I was I was you know op- opening up lock boxes maybe taking okay. out a fire here and there doing right. you know doing little it was really just part-time but it's yeah. as we know it's not a, it's hard it's a hard business to do part-time yeah. you know but it was good I wanted to be around it I wanted to learn that way but you just don't learn the same way until you're immersed in it yeah so it was it was you know it was real, you know once I got immersed in it in 2018 um starting there that's when it really started to to happen for me you know in terms of the career change then then I quit the job and you know my job with Dell EMC and yeah. I haven't looked back ever since I've, I've loved the fact that I have this new career now at, at age uh 56. so yeah and it's, it's cool because like
0: you can do that at any like that's a big that's a big jump for you, I think, you know, especially after being in the industry for so long and being far along in your in professional career. But it it gives, I hope, people um, perspective and, and hope that you can change whenever, you know, like I'm sure that was scary. You're thinking about retirement. You're thinking about your, you know, your retirement nest egg that you built up, like all those things. I bet that that was pretty scary. huh
1: It was scary. Um, but I also saw that if I didn't make the move, that was also scary to me. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't yeah. happy and I thought I'm just kind of coasting and yeah. then I'm still at the mercy of this corporation, this big huge corporation. I'm really just yeah. a number yeah. and so now, you know, and I'm a business owner and it's, it's, it is a different yeah. mindset and it really, um, it's just, you know, it's once now that I'm on this side, I would never want to go back to that if I, <laughs> if I ever had to, I would, but I hope I never have to. And I don't plan on it.
0: Yeah. All. And and, and yeah. even if you did, like, I think that with people that want to make a jump or are thinking about it, it's like, it's scary. However, all, we have this like deficit mindset. It's like, no, actually what you're doing is you're create, you're leveling up. You have more badges now than you would have had if you stayed in that job and got promoted or did whatever. But like, right. I, I think how people see it, they're like, you got it now, a chance to do all this different stuff, mm-hmm. gain all these different skills. You now are more marketable, not less marketable. Even right. if you went back and you didn't, it didn't work out. You are now more marketable because you have more experience and something different.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because I mean, when when right. I was in customer service before, but now this is a different level of client customer service right. because you're really serving people or else they fail if you don't you know right I mean you have to so it's yeah absolutely I would agree with that Dave 100 percent.
0: yeah no that's 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 interesting that's cool and I'll also this question the next question about the spouse and how you work with your spouse that's a pretty natural one to come up with I think we're going to save that one for a time when we all can probably get together and have a round table about like working with your spouse I think we've done it before there might be one but I think it needs an update because as we know that 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 relationship and that dynamic of working with your spouse yep. um, evolves, and so you have the Nicelys, we got the Dugans, we got the Hearst team, um, you know, we got all these all these folks. So yeah,
1: that'll be great. Yeah, we can save
0: that one part two.
1: It definitely has evolved.
0: Yeah, because like even since we did the last one, Ryan and Jess have uh, they've had a baby since then. So it'd be fascinating to hear again. That was the one. I remember when Mike? Uh, were you was that with you? Was were you on that one? I don't think I was on that one. We weren't. Oh, that was funny when Dugan said something and then Gretchen, like, anyway, you got to go back and listen (laughs) to it. So what are you passionate about?
1: Well, um, I'm passionate about the career for sure, about my career in real estate and and being a business owner and having a team. Um, uh, And but there's also, you know, I'm passionate about my health and my well-being. Yeah. and I'm, I'm passionate about just seeing other people's passions too i i mean is that that sounds kind of i don't know how that sounds but i'm passionate about just seeing working with people and just uh, seeing what lights them up too yeah and and um so i guess um i'm passionate about really just um you know traveling uh, spending time with family mm-hmm um working hard and then playing hard and spending time with family in places that you know we want to see interesting places um culturally or just if it's a beach that's fine i yeah. just i like my vacations i think that's something that i'm passionate about to to look forward to it gives you a reason to um to work hard
0: yeah yeah for um, sure another
1: reason um but passionate about travel there's a lot of things i want to see uh that right. i haven't seen yeah,
0: no, that's 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 good. I mean, I, it's inter- I ask that question a lot because in American culture, we typically ask, "What do you do?" before we ask, "What are you passionate about?" So we we have a we have a this just it's it's baked in our into our culture that we almost and so when you ask someone that, then you automatically because then of course they're going to reciprocate and say, "Well, what do you do?" and then you say, "Oh, I do X," and then now all of a sudden we have just created the caste system, right? Uh, it, uh, unconscious subconsciously yeah, that's we, an amazing we point try to, right interesting yep yeah we didn't even try but it's baked into how we communicate and so it's like all right how do we break that well what are you passionate about so then we can connect right. on a human authentic level
1: right right absolutely not just your profession or not what what you right. not just what you do to survive basically right really. right but what that's, lights you up what brings you joy yeah you know, that's we're, so much, we're so much more than our job
0: you know what i mean right um I agree oh yeah that's why I always ask that question um so let's what are you seeing in the like I I mentioned those numbers in the in the inventory right here um with you know 0.01 or 0.1 in UP and Gig Harbor Maine um you know 0.25 in Central Tacoma you know like are you experiencing that as you're going out with buyers right now
1: yeah absolutely I mean um it, from that perspective, it's it's um, makes it hard. I think affordability. I hear that word come about, and so it's it's for some, it's a, the housing is affordable, and for for others, they're really really stretching because of that low supply um, and high demand. They're having to, you know, if they come in, they're qualified for four fifty or something for a right. house. They might have to go up to five hundred or beyond to actually get that house, which you know, to somebody in first time homebuyer, that's a hard thing because that's, that's a, a lot. Suddenly a big jump in their payment, you know.
0: True. First time home buyer, that's a lot to me, man. Like right. four hundred thousand dollars, like that's right. almost a half a million dollars. Like that's a lot of money to me. I don't know. I I don't care how high the prices are, I still think that's a lot of money, you know, like absolutely. So, but in our market, obviously it's we in relative to what we see often, we know that that's gonna be a difficult thing in terms of um you know right. it wants versus needs and and our market and how much
1: inventory there is and the competition and yeah so it's interesting so it's just it's making it hard for them I mean it's it was, this was the same thing kind of last year too right I mean but this year it's even seems to be hitting even earlier okay to me it, it feels like it is it's just um yeah um but it's, yeah, the affordability aspect. I know there's some buyers that might, you know, if they don't get it after t- two or three or four tries, they may have to go rent for a while and save up some money, you know. And that, those are tough conversations to have. Yeah, yeah. People, that happens.
0: Yeah, that is a tough one. Um, so what what would you, what advice would you give to buyers that
1: are entering the market right now? Um well i would say strap strap on your, and your you know <laughs> and get ready um because um it is what you hear it is it is it, if depending on the house you know it really depends on what they're looking for right if they're looking right. for a fixer upper and and they don't care about location necessarily then it's it's going to be a little bit easier for them right right but then they then there's the whole argument of Spending time fixing up the house and living in the house while they're doing it and all that. Yeah. But if they're looking for something that's ready made because they're both working and they don't have time to do all that, and they want to just move in, then um, you know you're going to have to stretch your budget. Man. Right. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's it's good to know what they have for um, for cash so they can work with that in an offer. Um, mm-hmm and uh but basically they're gonna, probably going to have to stretch their their uh pre-approval amount all the way up and even beyond you know potentially yes. what they are comfortable with
0: yeah or you know change their demographic change their geographic
1: area whether where they're willing to look or where they're willing to live exactly yeah yep. great right. wow. so there has to be a shift in yeah exactly what they might need need uh might have to be you know shifted just to get into a house right. and then you know, we've had this conversation a few times. Hey, if this might not be a forever house, and it's probably right, right, So let's just get in. Let's get in on this one, and maybe in a couple of years, um, when you guys feel you outgrow it or whatever, um, we can move on. But you're getting in, you know. That's a good so, point. And, that's, yeah, and and I
0: think so. Then I I would guess that a question would be, well, how do we know that our house is gonna. Right. appreciate like it has been in the past and to me my answer would be well it would go, go towards you know like in terms of being around the south sound you know we have the puget sound so we have a body of water that we can't build anything on so you can't build what, what you know houses on water so you know there's a really limited we have limited uh, resources in terms of land that we can build on you know right. and, and if you want to be in specific areas especially if you want to be towards the the more center of uh, the urban center of our of our region right there's not a lot of land to build on
1: so right then somebody so somebody has to be selling a house for you to do that uh right. moving out of that house right you to do that so that's a introduces that's like a double whammy they're not building new homes and then somebody has to decide to move somewhere else right and they have to go live somewhere else Mm -hmm. So you can just see how that demand (laughs) kind of keeps going. The supply is going down and demand is going up. And I mean, that's very simple economics, but it really is what's going on. Um, Yeah,
0: and hopefully hopefully it slows down a little bit. I mean, I think with the rate hikes, it will slow down a little bit, but I don't, I mean, in terms of our specific region, um, Pierce County, I I don't see... um, us necessarily coming to a screeching halt anytime soon right you know like that's just me personally I I'm I'm not an economist but I do look at this data quite a bit and um try to read up on things that that are upcoming and you know like yeah that's just what
1: I'm seeing I'm not a financial advisor so right Matthew Gardner report was interesting I'm gonna go yeah that that was great Mm -hmm. yeah
0: that was great I need to post that by the way um so anyway uh let's let's move on to the next so you had so this is this is an interesting situation i remember we got the email i was like man this would be a great thing to talk about yeah. um so recently you had a run-in with a title report that included racist covenants in it tell right. us about that experience
1: all right yeah well because we've been introduced to this at a bow that this is out there so i knew about it that it does exist um, uh-huh. but i hadn't uh, faced it myself personally and so this particular buyer was looking for a, a vacation, a rental property, income producing property, and um, they're doing a 1031 exchange. Uh-huh. And So they're looking at a beach property and I, we looked up the HOA, um, the covenants, and we couldn't find a whole lot. We had to get the title, preliminary title report sent to us. And then from there, I clicked on a link there that was, uh, brought me to a 1946 CCNR uh, document, and it was called protective covenants. Mm. and um which I think is interesting the protective word is interesting because you're what were they protecting and in hindsight they're protecting you know only being able to sell to certain people which is white person basically yep and if you don't mind I can can I read this yeah yeah read it read it it so it says and this is what I saw and I just kind of stopped in my tracks no person of any race other than the white or Caucasian race shall use or occupy any building or any lot except that this covenant shall not prevent occupancy by domestic servants of a different race domiciled, domiciled with an owner or tenant. So only if you were a servant um, and if you were non-white, you could be there. But that, other than that, you could not be a tenant or an owner, unless you were a white person. And this yeah. is 1946. So yeah. it's not that long ago, not that long ago, and, man. you know? And so, yeah, it was very, it was very, yeah. It was, it was disturbing to, to mm. read it because, you know, I knew it was out there, but then until you see it, it's like, wow, this is a live document that we're seeing that is, you know, glad, you know, we're, we're glad it's not enforceable anymore. But there's really nothing knowing that it's not enforceable, so that's where the realtor has to come in and say, "Yeah, this is something like this is not enforceable," Um, and so. But it was very, yeah. It got me upset. I was upset, and and it got my blood going for sure. You know, (laughs) yeah, for sure. You're not just reading like something in history. This is history, right? But it's still active and 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 applicable to our world today even though it's not enforceable, it's still out there. So yeah,
0: it's, it's, it's jarring to read, you know, like you think that you go, oh yeah, it's on title. Still, we need to get those removed. And then you're like, right. and then when you attach a home and you attach a person and, or a family, or you attach, you know, you attach something real in front of your face to this right. document, you're like, oh, like, yeah, it's right in front of me. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a different experience
1: and so what do you what's your thought on this dave because we kind of talked a little bit about this that you know something like this could be either stricken completely or should there be an asterisk next to it yeah i think i mean
0: there's there's people who who look at it in two different ways i think uh you know i've heard people say it needs to stay in there so we know our history and i respect that uh perspective uh however i don't agree with it right um because the reason why i don't agree with it is because when you even when you showed that you passed that along to me i just felt like i don't like reading that that does not feel good to me it makes me angry like i i i don't and as a but but how here's here's the reason why i think we need to figure out a way to mark that that pro that title report as um something that we have that you know maybe you put a maybe you strike it out and you put an asterisk on it saying that this had whatever and the reason and it should be really identifiable like there's no reason why it shouldn't have an asterisk next to it or something an underline. i don't know what they want to do in their systems right but if you're against that i wonder why because it's like do you not want to see how many properties have this or right. because you shouldn't have to hop across it as an agent you shouldn't have to like come across it randomly like that like it, it should be flagged it should be starred it should be something right and so then as a as a buyer if i'm a black family and i'm moving out there i need to understand what i'm getting into i need to understand the history of where i'm moving i need to understand that that's a safety issue in my opinion so we're also now now we're talking about family safety um in terms of What's the history out here? What can I expect? What can I should I keep my eyes out for? Uh, because these things are passed down as we know, or else we wouldn't ever have issues, right? We would just be like all hunky dory right now. But guess what? These 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 thoughts and these um, discriminatory practices and these uh, you know these views are passed down from generation right.
1: to generation. We know that. Uh, so, and when I did a little research and I found out that some of them also included you know discrimination towards Jewish people if you were Mm -hmm. Jewish you were kind of in the same category and then also there was also a pressure by that developer um that any other you know homeowner in that HOA or community they were to sell to somebody who's Um, Mm non-white they would be threatened with a lawsuit yeah Um, and they would be, you know, they could be wrecked essentially financially. So that was that's why a lot of this stuff would was you know could continue for a while. And we didn't you didn't really see it right, but then there just weren't any non-white families that were living there. Right. And so until civil rights came about and you know there was a little more movement on it, obviously yeah. it became more exposed. Yeah,
0: and, and and yeah, and HUD and FHA and right. you know, and, and even like you know the crazy part is in in with the obama administration so up till this point hud did not have any accountability measures uh you know at all in terms of like hey what's going on where where's the discrimination happening what kind of court there was nothing and so what the obama administration passed was the affirmative housing action for affirmative further housing action something it's this weird long acronym but they finally put it in place like you are you need to take this data and you need to report this like every quarter or whatever like um, i need to read more about the specifics of of the accountability measures but you mean to tell me that since 1968 we have not had any accountability measures around this in terms of data Um, or data collection or anything and so that's crazy to me and guess what the next administration did they rolled it back right why would they do such a thing well because i think that you might uh you know unearth some things that you already know what's happening because we have all the data so it just really is fascinating to me about how we uh I like to say white supremacy, and I, I I'll define that. Um, I can define that, but I'm not going to define it right now. I'll do that on a future podcast because we have Black History Month coming up. Um, but how white supremacy pushes back on you know it, it the first black president. Why does it take the first black president to go in there and say, "Hey HUD, you have to be accountable for this stuff." Right. We have the data. Let's you're going to report that's, that back to
1: why were they they were there in the first place supposedly, but yet they're not really. They're not. They're not doing, doing their it. job. Yeah yeah and, and there's yeah so it's so when you
0: look at titles and all this other stuff i in the in our industry in general i'm like we have we
1: we could have done this a long time ago we just choose not to and realtors were compliant in all this too right so that's why oh, yeah absolutely for us to to uh turn it a different way and obviously expose it and you know um yeah just spread the word about it because obviously a seller could get this removed but they have to own the property where they could petition to get that removed
0: yeah and shout out to Windermere we have a site so Windermere works with uh notarize so Windermere is uh notarizes notarize.com n-o-t-a-r-i-z-e dot com and Windermere actually works partners with notarize to get these to remove the racist language from property titles I just, you know, I'll probably be going back in and asking about, you know, what does that look like in terms of, you know, flagging this? Can we flag this property so that people know? Because trust me, like people like myself, or if I were to move my family in there, it'd be really, I'd want to know. Yeah. Want to know personally, yeah. I want to know. I don't want to read it.
1: I just need to have an idea of where I'm moving into for my exactly. safety. I think that would be important because, especially if, in real estate if things get passed down from family to family and somebody might be in the knowledge of it right i mean it, that's your neighbor and right. so it's just good for you to know about it and yeah it's 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 really uh, yeah, it's really interesting you know it's- history and social
0: dynamics too because if we know that that was the sentiment for the prior generation now that might not be the sentiment for the next generation but we do know that that the next generation has been insulated from any diversity because of the racist covenants on the houses because no one could buy there. So we have a social dynamic and this is why, and I know this because I've experienced it going out to Harbor. I know this because I've experienced it. And so I'm saying that even if you have well-meaning people that are the next generation that move into this home, That does not mean that if you you can't not experience diversity and have, you know, white supremacist point of views, because all you've grown up around is people like you. And so therefore, your whole view and your value system is going to be about that and what you're told and what's passed down and all of those things. So I need to know that coming in so that now that's where the education comes in and then diversity comes in and people get uncomfortable because they've never seen anything different than that. I've lived all of these things, you know, and um, and so it's a real thing like people might be listening going uh no i think that the next year they they like no no it don't work
1: like that trust me <laughs> oh, no exactly i mean yeah it's it's alarming to me and i think the awareness of it is is the key and education yeah and, absolutely and absolutely. continually exposing it when it comes up but you know, yeah and it's not a I point blame thing
0: it's it's a reality right. thing these are facts these are you know right. this isn't a blame game but even if we did have some you know i get a lot of um well that's that's the next generation that's not that's we did i didn't do that so you're gonna blame me for something i didn't do it's like well no but you did take advantage not didn't take advantage but you you benefited from from this right and i'm not and if 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 the tables were turned and i i would say the same thing you know i'd be like you know what we need to take accountability what happens when you're you and heidi get into a argument or something you have to own your shit first before we can (laughs) get to anywhere, right? Exactly. You gotta own it first. And then you gotta be like, okay, I own that. Yep, I'm I'm XYZ. And then you can start the dialogue on repairing, right? Right.
1: Taking responsibility for it, understanding um your part and what has happened altogether, you know, um also I guess the word is um uh being accountable. Um It's just all those things empathy but having, having empathy exactly now as a white person you, you, we have to have empathy for what what's going on here if we don't then we're completely missing the significance of it you know because it's yeah. really to be honest dave it's disturbing like somebody who has a heart and has a kind heart regardless of of race or color yeah, yeah. it's disturbing to them and i think that's just where, it, where it is with me but Yeah, it's. I wouldn't have had to have dealt with that if I if I was trying to buy that in 1946. But you 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 would have. You would have been discriminated against. And it's just. I wouldn't be be looking. (laughs) No, exactly. Of course. (laughs) Um, No,
0: that's. uh, I appreciate you bringing that to our light and actually speaking on it because. You know, obviously, I understand that in other spaces, this may not be as easy of a conversation in another brokerage or, you know, with another owner or whatever, because the education is, you know, limited. Uh, But, you know, I appreciate you stepping up to do that. I do understand that it does take courage to speak out on on stuff like this, um, even though for me, it's pretty normal. Uh, you know, and in our space, it's pretty normal. <laughs> yep. But I do understand that it does take courage for people to step up and talk about this. So I appreciate coming on.
1: Well, well and I appreciate you and and um, just bringing this all to our awareness too, and and, and making it, uh, you know, exposing it and talking about it, because um, it makes us just better people to know, you know, when you come across this, what the reaction should be, and you know if that there's an action that you could take to have it yeah. removed. Yeah, there are actions. Yep. Yeah,
0: even small actions matter, like what you
1: just did. Absolutely. So, even if it was one at a time, and yep. you know, having them removed or however we think we should deal with it. Yeah, I think it should be removed for sure. Yeah, I mean,
0: no, I because if you felt that way reading, and imagine how I felt. You know, like it's right. just like man, and I, you know, I know you felt terrible reading that. I know and I you know what there and there's well meaning people that I'm sure the people that live there right now are be like god that's terrible I didn't even know sure. that existed right? right so it's uh yeah so anyway yep. um, well I'm going to let's uh, we're going to wrap this thing up but before we get out of here I have a new segment called hot take and okay. <laughs> and <laughs> on here you're going to answer some questions like you only get two choices and you know I'm just going to ask you we got a few things here and I'm going to see you, what you think all right so hot take here we go peanut butter or jelly
1: uh peanut butter
0: Ooh, okay movie theater movie at the theater or movie at home on a couch on the couch movie at the theater oh okay uh history or technology uh, <laughs>
1: that's a trick one for me
0: <laughs> i'm gonna say history yeah yeah I, I figured you'd say history car or truck car life pre-cell phone or post cell phone uh,
1: yeah life post cell phone i think it's it's better with cell phone yeah yeah well thank you for uh, participating
0: in our first hot take you have just graduated into post inside of a podcast hot take the very first one in history of inside of a podcast so congratulations on that um where can people get a hold of you and in, in the heidi Hearst team if they wanted to get in touch
1: with you and talk more well we're on Instagram we're on Facebook but um uh you can call us you can email us um but there's social media would be a good way um direct however (laughs) all right Um,
0: yeah all right sounds good man and we'll have that stuff down in the um in the in the show notes so yeah again thank you for coming on this is Tim McEwen from the Heidi Hearst team Shout out to Heidi Hurst and Alice, Alyssa Ulrich, Ulrich or Ulrich. Ulrich, Ulrich yep. uh and Katie Lane. So yeah, you guys have the whole team and you guys are doing a great job. You guys are killing it. Um we are a better brokerage with y'all at you know, at the brokerage at Wintermere Abode. And uh, we look forward to building more and
1: having you on again. We're better with being at a boat for sure. So thank you, Dave yeah well i appreciate you and
0: with that ladies and gentlemen that is we are in season six it's crazy we've i've done a lot of podcasts and i think this is going to be the best season yet uh so anyway stay tuned we got more coming we got black history coming up month coming up we got content around that we got more market knowledge we got more people talking about the metaverse and crypto and how that impacts real estate and all of these things man I, i'm so excited for all the stuff we have coming up so make sure that you tune in next week that's it i'm out Inside a boat. peace